Welcome, everybody, to Navigating Change, the podcast from Tidal Inc. My name is Pete Wright, and you're about to join a conversation in, pro- in progress. Howard and I uh, sat down to talk about uh, uncovering the why. Uh, in your um, uh, strategy conversations, and and the conversation, uh, it, it was a it was a great one. We really enjoyed uh, talking about these things, uh, but it ended up being too long, so we split it up into a number uh, 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 three actually uh, uh, shorter episodes. Hopefully, give you a chance to to uh, settle in on some of Howard's uh, uh, thoughts and comments, and uh, and really reflect on some of these important issues. Last week, we started talking about the why and uncovering uh, uh, the uh, decision making process. Uh, the the first important important steps in the decision-making process. Um, uh, you know, why are, what is the foundation of your story? What does uh, success look like? And and uh, we just barely teased into brainstorming. That's where we pick up this week, brainstorming and the importance of strong leadership. So uh, again, thank you so much for joining us. And now uh, I take you to a conversation in progress with Howard Teibel and yours truly. If I, if I take you through the decision-making model process, imagine that you understand and have consensus around what success looks like. You can articulate why it's important. You've identified problems that will contribute to this vision. The next step, after you have those three things clearly understood, is to then do a brainstorming of, all right, how are we going to get there? What does it look like? to put some new things in place. And when I say brainstorming, I don't mean, again, coming up with two or three ideas and then saying, all right, let's put a plan together. I'm talking about filling a wall with what are all the different things we have to do to get there. And non-judgmental, let it be very clear with people, uh, we're going to throw things up there that you might disagree with. And and, the other thing that I recently said to a group was one of the ways you know you're having an effective brainstorming exercise is if you're privately having the conversation that will never work here. If you can say, if, if, if you find yourself having these things in the wall and you're having this private reaction that never works there, you're having exactly the conversation you're, you need to have because what you're doing is you're bumping up against your own private you know, view of what's possible and brainstorming, by definition, is about stepping outside that box. Fascinating. I that that gets to I think a core issue that I have with brainstorming, and I think you 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 know you're sort of approaching it from a different uh, a different way. It's this idea that brainstorming can get so mired in ideology, uh, and that there is so much fear. Uh, there tends to be so much fear of either uh, too much kind of hierarchical restraint uh, where, you know, I'm not going to write something because my boss is in the room uh, and, and I don't want to sort of come out as, as the person who's rocking the boat uh, or I don't want to say anything until someone else has said it. Uh, well, and, you could, but you can mitigate that. Yeah, and that's what I'm interested in. How do you how do you mitigate some of those? It sounds like you're already sort of getting there, and I like that rule of thumb, setting that up in the in the beginning. If you're having this conversation, this inner dialogue, inner monologue, that this will never work here. That means you're getting ideas that are that are going to change <laughs> the way you look at something, right? Uh, that, that's right. That's, that seems really important to me. Yeah, and well, I have absolutely had people where their bosses are in the room, and and you basically need to say out of the gate. Listen, we're going to do this. See, see, the bosses are afraid you're going to get stuck in this, and it's going to go. 
in directions they want, don't want to go. If you then can uh, clarify, and this is part of the process, because after you have a wall full of stickies and it shows you 25 different potential uh, ways of solving your problem, then there's an exercise of prioritizing. And there's different ways you can do prioritization. The, the way I've done it recently is that I'll draw a, a, a matrix or where you've got a vertical line and a horizontal line and four quadrants, right? So you can picture this. Right, right, right. Four quadrants, right? And imagine one axis, the vertical axis is value. And, and the higher up you go, the more valuable it is to the organization. That There's a sense that anything up towards the top is it's of great value to the institution or organization. The horizontal axis is important. How important is it to do? So you then get the group to take these stickies and put them in the quadrants, high importance, higher, and or, or it could be importance and urgency. Well, and that's, right? uh, that's my question. Can you, can you talk just for a second? What does it look like when you have things that are important but not urgent or, or important but low value? Well, actually, let's talk about important and importance and urgency. Mm-hmm. Um, high importance, high urgency uh, are things, and this is how I've come to frame this, so imagine the high importance upper right-hand quarter quadrant. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are tactical, meaning these are things that are important, but we want to need to do them now, right? And often those are things that are tactical versus low importance, high urgency. Those are strategic, right? Mm-hmm. If we don't, so in three to five years, we want to be here. We've got time to figure out all the details around this. It doesn't have the kind of, urgency to put all of our attention on it and get all hands on this. However, it has high high importance for value. So high high um, urgency and high importance, think of that as strategic. Then you've got the other quadrant side, which is low importance, high urgency. And my experience with those items is that's your, that's your, your busy list, right? These are things that we spend all of our time doing uh, that don't offer great value. You know, example of that would be meetings. Mm-hmm. Meetings are often uh, highly highly urgent, low low value, right? Or low right, importance. Right, right. Right. All the emails we have to respond to, all the CCs that we have to whatever we spend our time doing, it, and some of them we have to do to keep the trains running, but I can't tell you how many times people talk to me about the need to figure out what they should stop doing. Your stop doing list uh, can be in, in that quadrant. And then low importance, low urgency, those are clearly the things that you're going to stop doing, right? right? So, But imagine taking a whole bunch of ideas uh, or strategies and then putting them through a model of prioritization process. That would allow, if you're in a room full of people and even some of their bosses, them to understand that you got to lay this out in front. This is how we're going to do it. After we brainstorm, we're going to step back and we're going to make sure that we figure where these fit in the high importance and urgency quadrants, right? And then and people go, okay, good. We're not going to end up pursuing a crazy idea or an idea that, that you know, we need, we need to have judgment. I mean, you know, judging something as good or bad is an important step. The problem is most groups don't give themselves enough permission to brainstorm and have non-judgment there 
knowing that they're going to stop that, and then they are going to put full judgment. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not doing those four things, but these others look good. And and then it's obviously, if, if it's a team, knowing how to effectively manage a group through that exercise. Because you can see, you can imagine, you know, I mean, I've done this with 15, 20 people, how it could get stuck. Uh, it's it's one of these things you just have you have to you have to be observe sort of where they are you know at some point the brainstorming uh, energy stops and you have to say all right we're done but how do you know when you're done mm-hmm. I mean part of it's instinct part of it's knowing and somebody raising the questions in a sense the role that I often play in these situations is is paying attention to the process associated with where people are at but just to sort of finish off the cycle what's the problem. Why is it important? What does success look like? Let's now brainstorm, get everything up on the wall. Let's now prioritize and put judgment on it. Now we've taken our 25 ideas. It's down to three. Let's put a plan together. And that's fundamentally drawing a line and saying, where do we want to be on what date? And you start with the furthest most date and you work backwards and you put some major milestones on the calendar, even if you're out date is five years from now unlikely and but you work backwards and next thing you know you've got a process that has the kind of uh not skipping some important pieces whenever i've introduced this to people their reaction is we do pieces of this we never do all of it which and, which it does you no good to do the foundational visioning stuff if you have no idea how to uh, how to brainstorm and put new processes in place. It does less good to do uh, all the brainstorming if you have no idea how to actually get the deliverables in the right hands of the people who need to do the job. And it's even worse if you brainstorm all these ideas and you're solving the wrong problem. Right. Right. When so, you go ahead. No, no, no. You finish finish your cycle here. It, it went away. I'm, I'm taking a sip of coffee. Oh, uh, well, fantastic. I'll jump in then. When you're looking at the brainstorming process, how much of the, uh, you don't, do you have people document current activity? I try and keep brainstorming as simple as possible, but it really is a function of what you're brainstorming. So if you're, yeah. if you've got a problem you're trying to solve, there might be, you know, there might be four or five, uh, but there should even be more. But what are the different ways we can we we could address that? Um, well, and let me tell you why I ask because you you know when you look at this decision at this matrix, the prioritization matrix, right? And you're trying to say you know what is urgent and important, um, and, and what is non-urgent and and unimportant. Uh, at some point, you need to apply the same judgment that you're applying new ideas to the stuff we're already doing, so we know whether or not we can stop, right? Yeah, see, and what's so interesting about you raising this question about what we can stop is... Doesn't that apply the context needed to see where, you know, maybe more of the problem exists? Yeah, 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 yeah. I see what you see. Yeah, so to to the extent that... and, and, And the reason I'm hesitating is because I have found that most groups... Uh, the very act of raising their awareness of what they consider to be urgent and important, not urgent and important, that very act is such an eye-opener. The thing you're talking about speaks, from, in my mind, more to execution. 
mm-hmm. which is a whole other challenge is to get groups to then make choices about what we're going to not do. You know, so for short example would be sometimes the things that fall in the we should stop doing these are is another department should be doing these things. We have taken it over. Uh, we've always done it, but it really belongs in HR or it belongs in IT. Why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. And then it opens the question, how are you going to negotiate with another group to say, can you take this on? This really belongs in your shop. And that is an example for me is is where leadership comes into play. And the person in charge basically say, you know what? You're right. We shouldn't be doing this. We need to make more room for the stuff that we're considering urgent and important. So I need you to go and talk to so-and-so and see if we can figure out a way for them to start inheriting some of this work. Uh, so you know, a team together is fine having these wonderful brainstorming sessions. But in the end, what is going to take, take that forward is the leader of that group saying, this is how we're going to navigate uh, pushing on, giving us more room to do the important work and how we're going to stop doing the unimportant work. And, and that, that's often missing in my experience. Uh, leaders that are willing to take that level of responsibility of saying, this is what I expect you guys to figure out. You know, the, one, of the, one of the best leaders I've ever um, I've ever known, um, it's going to go nameless at the moment, but one of the wonderful things he does, and I've just always admired him, is that a group will look at him dumbfounded with like, we don't know what to do, and he'll say, figure it out, and he'll leave the room. Hmm. But he'll expect that they figure it out. He doesn't just say to them, you know, uh, <laughs> he doesn't create ambiguity that he expects them to figure it out. He really expects them to figure it out. And what they want is they want him to give the answer. But he knows that in many cases, he's not the right person to solve the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the glue, the thing on the other side of this model that's critical is that you've got somebody who is paying attention to, all right, We've gathered enough information. We know what we need to do. The whole execution is a whole other beast, but it's it's really about somebody putting a stake in the ground and saying, in the absence of the group agreeing that we can stop doing these things, I think we should stop doing X, Y, and Z. I need you guys to figure out how that's going to happen. Get back to me in two weeks with a plan. That kind of leadership is often missing because – this is a different topic. There's leaders often don't transition well between being collaborative and being directive. Mm-hmm. And they're often, they, they have a, a style preference. They, they either like, you know, being authoritarian or they like being collaborative. Right. And they're, and, and sometimes, uh, not, every leader, I think if if you sit down with them, you would you would find out where their style is most comfortable, and the the thing that I'm trying to get people to do more is recognize when it's the right time to say just do it when I, because I said so, versus let's put a group together and talk about it. Right? You can't do one of those styles all the time. It doesn't work. 
Thank you, everybody, for joining us for Navigating Change, the podcast from Tybal Inc. On behalf of Howard Tybal, I'm Pete Wright. We absolutely thank you for listening in with us today. Uh, we will be back with part three of this conversation next week, so make sure to queue up your uh, your podcatcher of choice. And uh, if you aren't subs- a subscriber to the show, if you're listening on the website at tybalinc.com, we encourage you to head over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. Make sure you don't uh, miss a single episode. There are lots of different ways to catch up with podcasts. iTunes, for us, is certainly the most popular, but... Uh, there are lots of different ways to do that, and uh, you can uh, find those resources on the website, tybalink.com. Uh, thanks again for your participation, for joining us, for your kind comments and reviews on iTunes, and we'll catch you next week, Navigating Change, the podcast from Tybalink. Link.